When you live in New York City, you often have to make the most of small spaces. Even Hollywood gets that. Take the classic film Barefoot in the Park. Jane Fonda and Robert Redford play newlyweds living in a small walk-up apartment in Manhattan. In this scene, Fonda's trying to convince her mother that the apartment has potential. But it's a hard sell. Well? Cory, baby, it's beautiful. You hate it. No, no, I love it. It's a charming apartment. I love it. Oh, it's not your kind of apartment. I knew you wouldn't like it. I love it. Oh, didn't I say I loved it? She said she loved it. I knew I said it. Oh, do you really, Mother? I mean, are you absolutely crazy in love with it? Yes. It's very cute. And there's so much you can do with it. I told you she hated it. Cora, you don't give a person a chance. At least let me see the whole apartment. This is the whole apartment. It's a nice large room. There's a bedroom? Where? Good morning. I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Glad you're with us. New York City, where the streets are tough and finding real estate even tougher. In a city made up of small spaces, you'll often run into someone like Mark Matsumoto, a transplant from California, a young professional who loves to cook and lives with his wife in a downtown apartment of about 300 square feet. He took me on a tour of his small space. Okay, Mark, here we are standing in your kitchen, Mm -hmm. your small kitchen. My very small kitchen. (laughs) How big would you estimate this kitchen to be? Um, well, I mean, there's probably about nine square feet of counter space, if even that, and, um, you know, maybe like uh, 50 square feet at the most, 20 square feet. I don't know. I'm not good with these dimensions. How does this compare to kitchens that you've had prior? The last kitchen I had was huge, had an island, great sunlight, um, and this, this place really, it feels like a corner of my living room that more than, than, a, than a kitchen. And how did you adjust to this kitchen? When I first moved here, I had to get rid of a lot of things, and uh, I came pretty bare bones, but you know, I, as somebody who enjoys to cook, I have a lot of, I've accumulated a lot of uh, appliances and different tools and utensils, but, um, you know, I I have a philosophy behind organizing the kitchen, which is that you put the things you use the most in places you can reach them and stuff everything else in, you know, a place that that might be a little bit harder to get to, but, you you know, you still know where it is. So I see a mix master right here on the counter, right? So I guess you use that a lot? The KitchenAid, yeah. It's probably my most used kitchen appliance. I mean, to give you an example above my microwave, um, I have my blender and my Cuisinart, which I use less frequently than the, uh, than the mixer. Um, so, you know, that ends up on the counter. Um, in my, my pantry, um, you know, I have uh, all the plates that I use down on the bottom shelf. Um, my wife is also of short stature, so she needs to be able to get to all this stuff. Um, you know, all the, the rices and grains and flour and things that I would bake with uh, end up on the bottom and then things that I use less frequently end up closer to the top. Now, do you have all of your kitchen appliances here in the kitchen, or do you make use of other space in the apartment? I do actually make use of other space in the apartment. Uh, You know, one of the things I have in the living room, I have a a giant credenza, and in there I've dedicated half that space for larger pots and pans, you know, things that just wouldn't fit in the kitchen. What are some of the things that you had to get rid of to make use of this kitchen? Uh, I pretty much got rid of everything. I really kind of started from scratch when I moved to New York, so, you know, I got a a lot of the the plates and dishes and 
Um, you know, I brought some of my appliances with me, but some of my big ones, I had a big ice cream maker, a deep fryer, bread maker, those all got uh, given to friends when I moved. Now you have a full-size stove, you have a full-size oven, mm -hmm. but your refrigerator yeah. is pretty tiny. <laughs> it is pretty tiny. Yeah, that's, that's a challenge. And I mean, one of the big differences, I think, you know, in California, I really would go shopping for a couple weeks at a time and go to Costco and load up the car and bring it back. But I think one of the big changes for me moving to New York has been um, shopping on a, a weekly basis or sometimes I, you know, I might even go two, three times a week and just buy what I need for that meal. Uh, and one of the great things about that is that, you know, you're able to get fresh ingredients and whatever is in season and, and good in the market. I don't want to be too invasive here, but can I see inside of your refrigerator? <laughs> well, okay, so this is uh, not the most organized, but uh, so, I mean, in the freezer, there's different compartments. Um, you know, I try to, to keep things um, organized by the type of, whether it's meat or um, other items down there. You know, the kitchen... I actually don't have a lot of um, packaged foods. Like, I don't, I don't believe in buying microwave dinners and whatnot, but I do have a lot of sauces and condiments. Um, you know, the top shelves and all the door shelves are filled with condiments because I, I like experimenting with different flavors and different, uh, different uh, cultural cuisines. So, you know, I mean, up here I have uh, a Chinese hot sauce, um, here's a Korean hot sauce, gochujang, and, you know, I have various Japanese chilies. Um, there's some Mexican hot sauce over here, a Southwestern hot sauce. So, you know, all the different, um, you know, I consider them uh, tools in my, my repertoire, my laboratory day. I see you put good use to your wine rack in there, not just wine. You have condiments yeah, on there too. I have condiments in my wine rack, yes. Yep, yep. And I, I also, I have a wine rack in this. So I've turned my coat closet um, more into a pantry. Look at that, all these spices um, in your coat closet. Yeah, I mean, what, so one of the things, you know, in living a small space, you really have to think about where you put everything. Um, and so in this case, I've turned the inside of my door in the coat closet into a pantry um, with these little handy uh, shelves that I installed. Um, so, you know, it, this is great because you're able to see right away where, what the spices are rather than having it buried in the back of a, a cabinet where you have to pull everything out and inevitably things never get used because they, they work their way to the back. So this is a great way to just be able to see right away um, all the different spices that I have. So where do you keep your coats? In the living room. <laughs> in the bedroom. In the bedroom. There's some space in there. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a bit of a compromise. You know, I'm, I'm always kind of going back and forth with my, my spouse about uh, where the kitchen stuff goes because it slowly starts eating up the, all the space in the apartment. So what's the biggest challenge of working in this kitchen? I would say the biggest challenge is counter space. Um, as you can see, uh, the, you know, I have a toaster and a mixer on the counter, which takes up half my counter space. Um, that leaves me with about three square feet of counter space to work with. Um, so you know that's fine if you're just chopping uh, with a cutting board. But when you when I'm you know I've had dinners over here where I've had ten people squeezed into here, and when you're plating ten plates, there's just not enough room there. Um, so one of the the great things I found was um, I actually got this uh, secondhand on Craigslist for twenty bucks. I got a stainless steel chef's table. It doubles as my living room uh, or dining room table. It's kind of like a bar set up with stools, um, but it's also at the perfect counter height, so I can use this as a prep space, and that really that triples my counter space. Your sink actually is pretty small too. I must say the sink is very small. Yeah, um, it, it I think deep it, though. 
it's deep. So I mean, one of the one of the the big challenges, like when I have to wash like a cookie sheet or something, the whole thing doesn't fit in. So actually, speaking of fiat fiascos, the other day I was washing a cookie sheet, a jelly roll pan. It was filled with water, and I tipped it the wrong way, and all that water came pouring onto the hardwood floor. So it it, it is. It's always a, a an interesting challenge uh, working with uh, smaller smaller spaces. Is that a hidden dishwasher here, or is that cabinet space? It, it is a dishwasher, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I love having the dishwasher, but at the same time, I would almost rather have this be cabinet space because I, I really, I have one cabinet to store pots and pans in here. Uh, That's it. That's the only cabinet that you one have. One cabinet, one drawer. So in the drawer, you know, there's forks and knives and every other kind of utensil. And then the other cabinet is for, for my smaller pots and pans. And, of course, the big stuff goes in the living room. Do you have to avoid anything that requires too many pots and pans in this kitchen? You know, I typically try to cook things that are quick and easy because I have a full-time day job. Um, but I do also like to indulge and, and you know, take on projects that are, are bigger. Um, for example, last year I made choucroute garni, which is a, a French dish with a sauerkraut and cured sausages and meats. I uh, made the sauerkraut in my bedroom closet, much to my wife's chagrin. Uh, the smell was not particularly pleasant for a few weeks, but um, fantastic sauerkraut. And uh, my friend and I um, stuffed the sausages, smoked them, smoked the meat. So we made everything from scratch. It took about a month from, from start to finish. Uh, but I think the resulting dinner was, was worth all the effort. I think that might be an only in New York moment when you're making sauerkraut in your bedroom <laughs> closet. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then using a, a Williamsburg rooftop to smoke uh, sausages and pork. <laughs> Mark, anything else? Any advice for people with small kitchens here in New York City? Um, you know, I, I often hear people just intimidated uh, about cooking in their apartment. They always go out and they're like, oh, I can't cook in my kitchen because it's too small. And I, you know, I just... Being in this small apartment and, and doing the things that I do, I just I think that's um, that you know anything is possible given the even a small space if if you have the desire to do something fun. Well, Mark, thank you so much for sharing your kitchen with us. Thank you, George. Mark Matsumoto is a freelance writer, photographer, and marketing consultant in New York City, and he's one of many New Yorkers who can sympathize with this scene from Barefoot in the Park, where Jane Fonda tries to convince her mother that their closet space could be a bedroom. bedroom through here. No, in here. This is the bedroom. No, it's really just a dressing room, but I'm going to use it as a bedroom. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. You can just put a bed in here. That's right. How? Oh, it'll fit. I, I measured the room. A double bed? No, a, a large single. Oh, they're nice. Where will Paul sleep? With me. But you won't be able to get to the closet. Yes, you will. Without climbing over the bed? You have to climb over the bed. Oh, that's a good idea. And you can just hang your clothes from the pipe. This is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Another young professional living downtown has just upgraded to 420 square feet. Yep. Kevin Patterson says his new home is much more comfortable than his previous one. No doubt. We talked to him about his philosophy on small spaces. Now, you're in your second studio in New York City, right? That's right. Uh, my first one was New York's smallest, coolest apartment uh, through a competition on apartmenttherapy.com. And how many square feet did you have there? That was 220 square feet. That's pretty small. Uh, yeah, it was small, but it was pretty comfortable. It was very livable, and uh, you know, I worked to make it uh, my own little home. Describe it for us, if you will. What made it the smallest, coolest apartment? 
Well, I have a very strong belief that you know you shouldn't just survive in a small space. It's really about living the way you want to live. So I, uh, it was the smallest, coolest by virtue of the fact that I was able to really live well within the space. I could entertain. I could have house guests. I could you know have a dinner party. I read that it's actually nicer to have parties in smaller spaces because people socialize more. Yeah, you really don't have a choice. <laughs> um, yeah, you know it was smaller groups, but you know it's. I think better to have a few good friends than to have a lot of strangers. So you really made great use of the space in terms of creating storage everywhere you could, right? Right, and that's something that really I think is the key. I think you know you have to seek as much flexibility as possible. I've since moved to a larger apartment now, and really when I was shopping around trying to find a place, it was the flexibility of the layout that you know my new place has a Murphy bed. It has uh, some concealed storage that was sort of readily uh, in place moving in that. I knew I could make it adapt to how I wanted to live once I settled in. So that's your bed right over there? Yes, that that cabinet in the corner is my bed. I hate to make the bed, so any way that I can conceal mess is is the best case scenario for me. How many square feet is this apartment? Uh, This one's about 420 now. So you're in a palace now. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. How does it feel by comparison, though, moving in here from the 200 plus square feet you had before? I don't like having a lot of space to clean and to maintain, so the fact that I can get everything done in a very compact area is really helpful for me. Uh, but, you know, it, I have to admit, it is, this is a much more comfortable fit than the last one, especially since you know, it's in a more convenient neighborhood to friends, so I can have people over more often, and when they come, it's, it's a more gracious way to entertain. But still, it's, you know, it's the same basic premise, a comfortable place to sit and you know, uh, having everything within arm's reach. And you have a separate kitchen here. It's not in your living space. It's true. My, my other one was sort of a closet off to the side. So it does allow me the opportunity to cook a little more and to, to have a little more uh, complex entertaining than before. What are some of the things that you do to sort of give the illusion that your apartment is bigger than it actually is? A lot of it has to do with, like I was saying earlier, concealing clutter. You know, I'm not the best housekeeper, but uh, I try to find things that allow me to, to hide whatever I'm working. You know, I can create the illusion of clean very quickly. If somebody's coming over, I can take everything I'm working on and put it in a drawer and, sh- and shut it away or close the door. So that helps a lot. But I think also, you know, you have to constantly edit what you own. You have to look at what you're using and what you really love and limit your things to that and not acquire a lot of excess things because the more sort of planes your eye go across, the busier and, and the more crowded and hemmed in you feel. So I think between that and you know, sort of sticking with a monochromatic color scheme so that the eye is not uh, confused by a lot of things jumping out at it, to use reflective surfaces, transparent surfaces so that uh, you keep the light bouncing around and, and you keep the space feeling open. Now I don't see drawers underneath this couch in your last apartment, you had drawers pretty much everywhere, right? Yeah. The, the last apartment, I really had to... It was almost like a houseboat. You know, There were little hatches everywhere to conceal things. Um, in this place, uh, since it had more built-ins, I was able to get away with forcing everything to do as much. Here, I wanted to max out seating, so I have a, a more like sectional sofa. I want it to be light, so it's up off the ground, so you kind of get the, the ease of it coming off the ground, allowing more light beneath. Do you have a design background at all? Uh, Yeah, I studied architecture and practiced architecture for eight years and then have subsequently gone into real estate development. So that background comes in handy when you move into a tiny New York City apartment. Yes, absolutely. Uh, But, you know, I think there are pretty simple tips that anyone can follow. It's just it's more about 
looking at how you live and shaping your habitat to fit what you love and what you need. How's closet space here? That's, that's one of the reasons why I love this apartment. It has a great walk-in closet. I'm pretty bad about leaving clothes lying around. So as long as I have the discipline to come in and, and hang a left right into my closet, I can change out of work clothes into home clothes and keep all the mess in there where I can pull a sliding door across and, and put it all away. And the other apartment, I would imagine, did not have a walk-in closet. No, the other apartment kind of was a walk-in closet. But still, you know, it's it's the same kind of level of discipline there. At least I, I had lots of drawers and things that I could just drop it in the drawer and shut it in and walk away. I know you were paying more than $1,500 a month for that 210, was it 210 again? 220. 220 yeah. square foot apartment. More than $1,500. Did anybody ever say, you know what, Kevin, you're nuts? Um, you know, it's funny, as a, a byproduct of winning the competition, there are a lot of online comment boards. And, you know, I find that typically New Yorkers say would say, oh, that's that's normal or even a great price. And then anyone outside of New York always tended to think it was crazy. But, you know, it was everything that I needed at the time. And, and, you know, you pay for location and convenience. I was going to say, I think New Yorkers understand the trade-off. You know, you pay for where you want to live, not necessarily the space. Absolutely. And uh, and having a short commute to class was, was definitely worth it. What would you say is the most creative thing that you did with the space? And you said, yourself wow i'm really proud of that who would have thunk that <laughs> um you know the the old space required a lot of like weekend warrior handyman projects i, I maximized the space in that apartment by going up on the walls a lot with storage hanging a lot of shelves uh, installing a lot of cabinetry and uh that was a lot harder than i was expecting and and by the time i hung my third sort of 36 inch by 36 inch cabinet uh five feet off the floor without anybody else holding it up i I was pretty impressed with myself that they were all in a line and operated and uh, and I was able to, to free up all the space that all that junk was acquiring otherwise. Where would you say are the best places to shop when you live in a small apartment to buy your furniture, to buy stuff? Um, you know, really the internet was my best resource as far as being able to compare everywhere. You know, I, I looked at places like IKEA and CB2, uh, Crate and Barrel, Basically, all of your retailers, you know, the, the trick is really just to, you know, since you can compare sizes, compare prices, and, and everything is annotated so clearly on the Internet, it's a great way to do a search for, you know, for storage bed and see what comes up. You know, that led me to a retailer in Brooklyn, a guy who just makes these things in his own shop, which I never would have found. After you won the award from apartmenttherapy.com, did people email you, try to contact you for advice on what to do with their apartments? Uh, yeah, I definitely did. The The biggest surprise, uh, you know, they, they ran a story on the New York Daily News, and a, a pretty big uh, size story. And uh, a woman stopped me on the subway and said, oh, you're the man with the small apartment. So I was surprised to get that degree of notoriety. Other than that, it's been a lot of friends kind of uh, looking for free advice along the way. Did you read the article recently in the New York Post about the couple who live in a 175-square-foot apartment? I did, and it's funny because everybody I know asks me if I'm reading these articles, too. I've kind of uh, become famous from it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing what they did up there. I guess you could understand, uh, obviously. I mean, a lot of people question, how can you do it? Why do you do it? But you, you get it. It's true. You know, I, I remember there were some things that they had that were very particular. And, you know, and I think you have to shape your habitat around the way you want to live. And, and they definitely made some decisions that I wouldn't make, but to each their own. All right, Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Kevin Patterson is a project manager for Thompson Hotels in Manhattan.
While on the topic of small living spaces, we can't forget the box-like dorm rooms and communal bathrooms found on most college campuses. We talked to some sophomores at Fordham University to get their take on Tiny. My name is Eileen Kelly, and I'm a sophomore in the College of Business Administration here, and I live in Finley Hall. Our dorming last year was a little bit better, I think, than sophomore dorming this year. It is made for a triple, so you have two beds on the first floor, and then it's lofted, so then there's a third roommate up on top, and then we have our own bathroom. It is a little bit crowded. Um, As you can see, there's not much space in between my roommate's bed and my bed. The closet space is a little tough. There's actually only two closets for three girls. One of them is shared between me and my roommate, and they're so small that even with all your stuff in it, they actually don't close, so that's been kind of a problem. (laughs) Everyone pretty much stores stuff under their bed, I think. Last year, I think the closet space was a lot bigger, so it wasn't so much, but this year I put everything that I own under my bed. (laughs) I knew that the dorming situation was going to be pretty much... It's kind of all part of the experience living in a small space. <laughs> My name is Andrew Rodden, and I live in Finley Hall on Fordham's campus. We have a three-person room. When you walk in, there are two beds on either side, and then there's a small staircase leading up to uh, a loft with a third bed. There's a bathroom uh, straight to the left. It's nice to be able to have a little more privacy that way and not have to worry about um, carrying my things to the bathroom every morning if I need to take a shower or something like that. I guess the, the biggest drawback to living in such a small space with two guys is that we are not always the most organized people in the world, so keeping our stuff out of each other's way sometimes becomes an issue. Um, I do keep things under my bed. Yeah, I have um, two boxes of you know assorted everything you can think of that you know I might not need uh, right away, but it's under the bed if I need it. My mom's seen it. She doesn't really have a problem with it. I mean, we're not... We're not total slobs, even if we're not the neatest guys ever. But, um, you know, I think she's happy that we're happy. The only other problem we've ever had is when two people both need to take a shower at the same time or use the bathroom. But um, the best thing is having two guys that I'm so close with uh, in such a close space with me. You know, we we get along really well, which is why we chose to, to live with each other. So to have two good friends right near me like that is really a blessing. Hi, my name is Colette Sembler. I'm a sophomore at College of Business Administration, Fordham University, and I'm living in Martyrs Court this year in a double, so I have one other roommate. It's pretty small. Um, Our beds are about maybe seven or ten feet apart from each other. Um, It's set up with two beds, and we each have a desk and a closet. So the closet space is pretty small, but our desk is a nice size and very small living area. The bathroom is communal. We share with um, the other people in our wing, so there's about 20 girls to the bathroom. The hardest part about living in a small space is, I guess, having your privacy. I mean, I live with one of my best friends, so I really don't have a problem with it. But it's still, you know, you do have to be courteous to your roommate. So it's just, you know, being quiet when you come in and, you know, keeping your music a little bit lower than you might listen to it normally. So just really being courteous of your roommate, which I don't have a problem with. But in a small space, you do have to be more conscious. Going to college, I sometimes compare to a giant sleepover because you are living with your best friend and um, we have a great time. So after we finish studying at 12, 1230, if on a good night, um, we'll crawl into bed and just kind of have fun and talk about our day until early in the morning. So that's always fun, too.
You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. I'm George Boraki. When you live or work in a small space, you sometimes need a little outside help to get organized. Well, that's where Sarah Buckwalter comes in. She has been a professional organizer for more than 10 years. Sarah owns organizing companies in New York City and Boston, and she joins us now on the phone. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, George. So what motivated you to get into this line of work? Well, it started out as I was working for a company and in a cube that kept literally shrinking as they added more, more offices and more space. And my coworkers were completely disorganized. Projects weren't getting done and things were getting lost. Um, so I kind of got inspired to take charge of the situation and started working with myself and organizing myself and then moved on and one by one kind of organized everybody in my office. So what specifically did you do in that situation to organize the place? Essentially, it was a matter of setting up paper management systems and filing systems so that people could kind of keep track of what they were working on without having it all over their desk in piles, which is how it was. (laughs) Do you find, Sarah, that people with a lot of clutter in their small spaces blame themselves, or do they mostly just blame the small space? I find that's a little bit about of both. A lot of people are embarrassed um, by their clutter and by their mess so that they tend to um, be really hard on themselves about it. But at the same time, people do blame the space and their lack of space. And some people do use it as a bit of an excuse. What's been your most challenging job involving a small space? I think the biggest challenge is having encouraging people to let go of stuff. A lot of people just have too much stuff in their space, and there really isn't anywhere to put it, even if we are creative with organizing systems. So that um, it tends to be that people have a hard time letting go, and they're unrealistic about what they can actually keep in their space. Is it difficult to convince people to let things go? It sounds like you need to be one part psychologist and one part organizer. (laughs) There's definitely psychology involved, and there are some, you know, tricks and things that I can tell people that help encourage them to let go, such as uh, donating it to a charity or selling it if they're reluctant to just throw it away. Someone once told me that I should put colored tags on my clothing in my closet, and if I didn't remove the clothing with the tags within six months, then I should just throw it away. That's a great idea. Um, I also tell people to put their coat hangers in backwards so that all their clothing is facing backwards. And as they take a piece of clothing out and use it, they can put the, co- the coat hanger back in forwards so that at the after three or six months, they can see all the backwards hangers are the clothes that they have not yet used. What's the biggest thing you've ever seen someone fit into a small space that made you say, what are they thinking? <laughs> um, I find that people do try to store... Um, store items that don't necessarily need to be in the space. I've seen kayaks in the middle of people's living rooms. Get out of here. Kayaks in a living room? (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, But also I find that people bring with them from maybe larger spaces some oversized furniture that may be taking up the entire space and they're climbing over it to get to the next room. So, you know, having more small-scale furniture and really making best use of the space. I was going to ask you the question, what would you say is the one item that absolutely has no business in a small living space? And I think you may have answered it already when you said a (laughs) kayak. Definitely. Well, in the city, you know, there aren't a lot of places to store your outdoor equipment, so it kind of ends up wherever. What can you do to maximize your closet space? There are a bunch of things you can do, and a lot of people just have the standard rod across, across their closet, and it really doesn't accommodate a lot of things. 
I add shelving to closets, especially if you have tall closets. Um, you can add a second rod and, and do a double hanging. Um, you can add a rod up high to store your off-season clothes kind of up high and out of the way if you have a tall space. And put shelving in for shoes, for storage, for handbags, things like that. You can really do a lot with a closet. It's surprising. Not a good idea, I would think, just to shove everything under the bed like I do. <laughs> no, but they do have organizers for that, so <laughs> you can shove it under there, but in an organized way. What's the smallest space you've ever had to work with? I have to say I've worked with people who've had their whole life in one room. You know, a, a small studio space, it might be the size of a standard bedroom, and they have to live their whole life. They have a hot plate in the corner. They have, you know, their TV in one side. They've got their bed, and, and that's their whole life. How can you create the illusion that your place is bigger than it actually is? Obviously, cleaning up the clutter is one thing, but what else can you do? Mm-hmm. Well, it it's also has to do with the, the scale of the furniture. Like I said, if you've got really large pieces of furniture in a small space, the space is going to look crowded and small. So, you know, replacing a a large puffy sofa with a couple of smaller chairs might be an option. Doing a kind of futon-type bed instead of a full-size bed if you don't have a space will open up the space and really allow for some more room. Okay, Sarah, any last words of advice for people in small spaces? My biggest word of advice to people who have small spaces is to go vertical. Use the space going up the wall. Don't buy low-wide furniture. Buy tall furniture. Put shelving up high. You can build loft spaces. You can hang things from the ceiling. There's a lot to be done up higher in the house that people don't really notice. Sarah Buckwalter, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Sarah Buckwalter is the owner and operator of Organizing Manhattan. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boraki. Remember, you can get past editions of Cityscape and learn how to podcast the show at WFUV.org. And we encourage you to become a fan of Cityscape on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. My thanks to producer Skylar Srivastava. Have a great weekend. <laughs>